May God's grace and mercy and peace be yours from God, our Heavenly Father, and from our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Christ is risen. risen Okay, so I think I mentioned a couple years ago in a sermon that my dad, every, every Easter morning, would get up for our sunrise service. He was the pastor, and, and he would kind of start to walk up the stairs, and he'd bang on the wall and yell, Christ is risen. And we kind of responded, you did a little better, but we kind of be like, he's risen indeed, go away, or something like that. <laughs> All right, now, we're awake. This is an exciting day. Christ is risen. He is risen This is the day that the Lord has made. Amen. So of all the greetings that we share in the church, those two are are probably the the most well-known, right? What is not maybe quite so well-known is that they're both actually distinctly Easter greetings. The first one's pretty obvious. We always say, Christ is risen, he's risen indeed, alleluia, on Easter. We know it's Easter when we say that, and if we don't say that, it maybe doesn't really feel like Easter. But the other one, the one on the screen here, this is something that that we kind of say year-round, don't we? Even on days that aren't Sunday. After all, every day is, is a day that the Lord has made for us to rejoice and to be glad in. But in the source of this greeting, that we've heard a couple times today already, Psalm 118, this day is referring to a very specific day indeed. Psalm 118 is the last of the the Hallel Psalms. These are um, Psalms 113 through 118. And they were traditionally, and still are actually, traditionally sung at the Passover meal. And so we have every reason to believe that Jesus, at the last supper with his disciples, sang these words that we're focusing on today. And that's pretty incredible because just a few hours after singing these words, he would begin to fulfill them. These words that that prophesy of what Jesus would do mere hours after he sang them because this day of Psalm 118 is the day that the stone the builders rejected would become the cornerstone. In a conversation that Jesus had with the chief priests and the Pharisees just a few days before he died, Jesus actually quoted this verse, and he applied it to his upcoming crucifixion and resurrection. Jesus knew that the people that he was speaking to, those who were considered to be the master builders of God's people, would utterly reject him and brutally kill him. But as the saying goes, one man's trash is another man's treasure. And three days later, Jesus, the stone the builders rejected, the one that they mocked and flogged and spit on and crucified, was raised from the dead by the true builder, the one who has made and remade all things. He whose lifeless corpse had been laid in a tomb and shut in by a large stone had now become the cornerstone, the capstone. The Hebrew phrase is rosh pinah. It can refer to the the keystone of an arch or the cornerstone of a building, but either way, the point is that this stone that was once discarded and rejected is now the very one that holds the entire structure 
together. But what is the structure that, that he's holding together anyway? Well, it's, it's us. Isaiah had prophesied that Yahweh would lay a stone in Zion, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation, promising that whoever trusted in him would not be put to shame. Paul writes in Ephesians that we, the church, are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Peter tells us, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. This is the day when all of that was made possible. This is the day that death was thrown away and we were set free. This is the day that night was brought to a forever end. After long centuries of hopeless human strivings and violence and despair, the eternal day, our Lord Jesus Christ shone forth from a gaping black hole in the ground that he would inhabit no more. Malachi had promised that, that the son of righteousness would one day rise with healing in his wings. This is the day that that sun rose. And it's not the kind of day that, that has a sunrise and a sunset. No, it's a day, as St. Augustine says, that could know a dawn but never know a setting. Martin Luther says, this day is not followed by night. Nor does its light shine into the eyes of the body. It shines into the heart. This is the day that darkness was put to flight. The day that death itself was conquered. This is the day that the Lord has made all things new. For the, the past six and a half weeks here at St. Lawrence, we've been going through the book of Psalms together in our Songs of the Messiah series. And as we've done that, we've come across a lot of tough questions that these songs ask. Questions like, like, God, where are you? Why are you hiding? Sometimes they just ask, why? Well, this is the day, is the answer to all of the questions in the Psalms and on our hearts. Where are you, Lord? I'm right here. How long, O Lord? Now. When will you come, Lord? Today. This is the day when God's answer comes. If it seems as if God has been hiding behind a stone, today is the day the stone is rolled away and our resurrected living Savior steps forth triumphant and alive forever to be here with you, for you, forever this is the day that the cornerstone was set in place. This is the day when the great building's foundation was laid. This is the day, is the ultimate answer to all of life's difficult questions because this is the day that life began and death was rendered forever powerless. And that's pretty cool, isn't it? There, there's a word we've been given, actually, to express our gratitude for what Jesus has done for us, how he has trampled over death on our behalf. It's a word that, that bursts forth again and again on Easter Sunday. Hallelujah. We heard earlier that the hallelujah means praise Yah 
this, this intimate, personal name for Yahweh. Praise the Lord. Psalm 117, the shortest chapter in the Bible, and the one right before our psalm for today, begins and ends with this Hebrew word. Hallelujah, praise the Lord, all nations, extol him, all peoples, for great is his steadfast love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Hallelujah. And as we were able to share together already, Psalms 146 through 150 also begin and end with the word, hallelujah. The Hebrew name for the book of Psalms is Tehillim, which means praises. And if you've been reading through the Psalms uh, over this past Lent, you might wonder how a book with with such lament and, and fury and pain could go by that name. Well, it goes by that name because hallelujah is the last word in the book of Psalms, literally and figuratively. Because Jesus lives, despite all of the anger and angst and sadness and sorrow that a disciple of Jesus may experience in this life, in the end, all that will be left is praise. Eternal praise in the presence of the one who took our every sin upon his back, put them to death on the cross, and then put death to death by his resurrection. And so in the Hallelujah Chorus, as Psalms 146 through 150 are often called, we have a foretaste of the eternity to come when all things will be brought into their proper perspective, when all of the wrongs will be made right, when tears and the evil things that have caused them will be forever abolished, when God will swallow up death forever by raising us up from the dead just as he raised Jesus. On Good Friday, Jesus committed his spirit into the Father's hands and he committed his body to the tomb. On Easter Sunday, God restored his spirit and his body by raising him to life again. Jesus is, is not risen from the dead, kind of, or, or mostly, or, or just spiritually. People say it with me, Christ is risen. Yes, he's risen indeed. Hallelujah. And yet, there are times in our lives when our cries of hallelujah are not quite as heartfelt as we wish they could be. This is the day that the Lord has made for us to rejoice and be glad in, but sometimes it can be a struggle to live in that joy, even on days like today. Maybe that describes you this morning. Maybe this year, the the joy of Easter all around you makes you feel like an April fool because your heart just can't quite seem to catch up with all of the bright colors and the happy songs and the flowers and, and the smiling faces. Maybe you hear, this is the day, but still all you can see around you is night. The diagnosis, the divorce, the death of someone you love. Maybe your hallelujahs this year ring a little hollow in your ear. Maybe there's this emptiness inside that, that you cannot penetrate and you cannot explain. and You cannot fill even with Easter eggs and jelly beans. Well, if that's you today, there's a story that I want to share with you. 
It's a true story. Uh, it's a story I heard. Hi. <laughs> it's a story I heard a few years ago and continues to have uh, just an incredible impact on my life. As you might know, uh, Martin Luther, throughout his life, experienced frequent and severe bouts of depression. And this, this was, you know, even after he discovered the gospel, even after the 95 Theses and, and everything else, he still struggled mightily from time to time. And, and most of the time, his wife Katie was, was able to reach him and, and kind of nudge him back into the light. But on one occasion, Luther found himself in a deep, dark hole unlike any other he had ever experienced. Katie did everything in her power to try to, to cheer him up, to bring him back up. But this time, nothing that she said or did seemed to help him at all. She was terrified. And so she went to John Bugenhagen, who, aside from having the coolest name in the Reformation, was also Luther's pastor and one of his closest friends. And she said to him, John, it's Martin. I've, I've never seen him like this before. This time is different, and I don't know what to do. So Bugenhagen made his way to Luther's house, and he walked up the steps to his study, and, and he saw the great reformer sitting there at his desk with his back to the door. And so Bugenhagen stepped into the room and, and just stood there for a while. And as he did, he began to notice that Luther was writing something on his desk. But he wrote not with a quill, but with his finger, tracing the, the same thing over and over again. And Bugenhagen started to get a little worried. He was wondering if maybe his friend had lost it altogether this time. But as he stepped a little closer to try to figure out what was going on, Luther turned around and faced him. And with tears streaming down his face, he said, John, he lives. Luther had been writing over and over again one word. V-I-V-I-T. It's a Latin word that means he lives. In that moment, Martin Luther had absolutely nothing else. And yet in the midst of his torment and his own personal hell, he needed absolutely nothing else. V-I-V-I-T. He lives. He lives indeed. Hallelujah. Now part of me would love to tell you that Luther then jumped up from his desk, gave Bugenhagen a high five, and, and ran outside to sniff an Easter lily. And uh, I think maybe part of the reason he didn't is he was allergic or something like that, like I am. But no, that's not what Luther did at all. But what he did do was face his trials, even the very worst of them, armed to the teeth with the truth that Jesus lives. V-I-V-I-T. At one point, Luther was reflecting on our verses for today from Psalm 118, and he wrote, since Christ was humbled and exalted as much as and more than all the saints, we should not deem it odd or strange if we also suffer tribu tribulation and affliction. 
And we will. The the devil and the world and, and even our own sinful nature will continue to try to throw darkness in our face. But theirs is a losing battle. Because night's reign is over. Jesus lives. And this is the day. And so, when you feel like you're alone in the darkness, remember, so did Jesus. When you have been rejected and cast away, remember, so was Jesus. And when you feel empty inside, remember, so was Jesus' tomb. Dawn has broken every power of darkness. Christ is risen. Life lives again. Hallelujah. Praise the King of heaven, for he has reversed the curse of sin. This is the day, all illuminating. Night has no sway, darkness snuffed out. The rejected stone now holds us all up. People of the Lord, raise up a shout. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace of God, which transcends our understanding, guard your hearts and your minds. Through Jesus Christ, our risen Lord. Amen.